Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's a UFO. There's a UFO. Look at that balloon. Look at this balloon. What a weekend it was. I'm Andrew Coppins back with you. He is Pat Oni, and this is Critical Thinking. Good Monday to you all. Andrew Coppins back behind the mic. Um, I took the rest of last week off after a <clears throat> a quote unquote minor knee procedure that um the doctors say they rarely see. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, your pain was real. No bleep. No bleep, doctors. No bleep. They, th- thanks. Uh, thanks for letting me know that the pain that I've been feeling for months on months on months was, was and, and years upon years by the way of like in and out of this type of pain uh, was real no bleep so do you actually feel better now um well i mean that's debatable i may still have to get through the recovery phase so we'll see but uh but let's put it this way i mean within about 18 hours i was already being able to put weight on it and within i would say about maybe 30 hours or so I was able to walk without any assistance. So um, that was nice. Uh, But now it's just getting through the rest of the recovery phase here. Um, So enough for me to get behind the mic. Let's just put it that way. So are you ready to uh, go for a run yet? (laughs) What is your obsession with going for a run? It's good exercise. You take a long run off a short pier. Why a long run off a short pier? I I don't understand. Never mind. Moving forward. There is a lot to cover on today's show. We're going to talk about college campuses and free speech. We're going to talk about uh, UFOs, balloons, um, cylindrical objects, and 
the Department of Defense's interesting statements when it comes to these things that happened over the weekend, no less than five separate incidents, by the way. And, um, well, of course, the Super Bowl happened yesterday. Pat was in danger of not watching at all. And uh, it's because he didn't want to deal with the woke. It, there was no woke during the game itself. There was just more of it pregame, halftime. Which Although I, did, I will which say I this. I will say this. I was. Let, let's get to the halftime first, because for me, um, I was expecting a little more from Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really get much from her. And by more, I mean less clothes. Um, I was fully expecting less clothes from her. But hey, I I will say this. I she, think there's a she can stand that. alone with her catalog. She does not need the guest appearances and da-da-da-da that we're used to seeing. So on mm. one respect, I was like, hmm, okay, that's, a, that's not terrible. And then on the other respect, I was like, that's it? That, that, that's what we got? Yeah, yeah it wasn't I, I much. Will, I will say this, though. There was no woke in her halftime. It was just no. Nope, it was just music. Perform. It was just music. And uh, by the way, I think there was a reason why she wore more clothes than not. And it's because if you saw Twitter, and I actually didn't see Twitter at first on this, but I'm glad I was kind of wasn't the only one that thought this. She does look pregnant again. Yeah, you wonder. You have to wonder. I mean, this was her first performance since she gave birth in May with her partner, <clears throat> a Dollar sign AP Rocky. <laughs> oh, you mean ASAP Rocky? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was, eh, I was neither. I, it started off great for me because I loved the like the floating platforms and the kind of space oh, yeah. techie cool. thing. That was pretty cool. But then afterwards, I was like, that was it. That, that's all we got. Yep. Okay. It, it really wasn't much of anything. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I've seen way better. I have also seen way worse. Right. Uh, so I was just I was just happy that it was just music. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ponder replay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that that was good. Um, but the game itself. Phenomenal. Phenomenal football. And I have a very simple question for you, Pat. Can you think of a better played quarterback game in Super Bowl history because I can't no no I can't I um I, I looked at the stats Jalen Hurts had a fantastic he had four touchdowns um all together yep and then um come in the second half I mean Patrick Mahomes just went off and he's playing on an injured foot I mean it was he had uh, to have been higher than a kite during that second half because he had to have been the way that he came out of that that one play, and I said this before the game to my friends, I was like, you know, the the question I have with the Chiefs is what happens if Mahomes goes down because he is one twisted ankle, one tackle that goes weird away from real damage to that ankle. So it's going to be interesting. I guarantee you he has surgery this offseason to fix that because I uh, guarantee you there's some probably. bad ligament damage in that in that ankle well but but here's the thing he is without a doubt the greatest player in the nfl right now um there is there is no one i think that that compares i mean how do you 
he won the AFC championship game on that on that leg. He he just won a Super Bowl. And by the way, they scored on every drive in the second half. Yeah. Second half. Yep. So I mean, he he just played out of his freaking mind in that second half and just I mean yeah, that's why I thought the Chiefs were going to win. By the way, it's, it's I I was rooting for the Eagles, but I'm like the Chiefs will win because they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and basically the best quarterback and, and the best player and then the best coach in the NFL mm-hmm. right now. And can we also talk about um, how in the hell Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach in the NFL yet? Did, did were you watching the game plan that he put out there? Uh, were you the- watching the plays? Were you watching? He's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. He's the offensive coordinator, right? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean. I, I don't know what much more you could do for a resume here. I, but <laughs> I, I do have one question. How much How much of that was Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Right, but he's the one plays. putting the plays in and, and putting the, the game plan in place for them to be able to do the things they did. You know, as somebody on Twitter mentioned, well, he, in the air, never passed beyond 15 yards. Didn't that, have to. That is not a well. He shouldn't be the MVP moment. That speaks volumes to the ability of that offense to pick apart what Philadelphia was doing defensively, schematically. Right. Right. If, if he's intermediate or short routes, that means they are understanding coverages. That means they're they're scheming to the weaknesses of Philly's defensive game plan. And they beat their ass in the second half with that. And that comes back to coaching, by the way. Right. That's my point. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, put all of that together. Now, you have to execute the plays, obviously, but I gave you the game plan. You executed flawlessly in that second half. Now, in the first half, they still were pretty good, by the way. And uh, thank you to the Chiefs, uh, because I won all but two of my bets. Three. Yeah. So all but two of my bets. And the only bets I lost were the the coin toss and Jalen Hurts throwing an interception or not. And he nearly uh, did it mm. twice in that game. <laughs> did you, I mean, is it, do you think it's possible that Eric, Eric Bieniemy is just waiting for the day that Andy Reid retires and becomes the head coach for the Chiefs? And maybe. I, at this point in time, I guess my question to Andy Reid would be, what more do you have to prove, right? I mean, um, he's 65. Yeah, you're 65 years old. I might want to enjoy retirement. I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, I mean how it, sweet was this for Andy Reid, right? Getting fired right. by Philly for what? Stalling in the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, he's had four Super Bowl appearances in his entire career. Yep. Two of which he's won now. Yep. That's that's a pretty solid resume. Um. Yeah, and I always like to root for Andy Reid, um, mm-hmm. just because of his ties to Green Bay and and the time that he spent in in my community and and uh, what his family meant in our community was was fantastic. So, um, I will say that. Um. Yeah, I thought it was overall one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in a while. Yeah, um, it was. Because both teams just threw haymaker after haymaker at each other. You know, the the the, the down the field passing, the you know, the game changes when Devonta Smith has to shift his body weight towards the sideline instead of 
into the field uh, when he was wide open on that that deep throw late in the game. If mm-hmm. he if he can keep himself in bounds, that's a touchdown, and that game is vastly different um, at the end, right? Right. And I think we have to address this, and I'm going to address it this way: the refs did not influence the outcome of this game. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think so either. I mean, and, there were a couple bad calls, but like there there weren't. Yes, not enough to throw the game. And for those of you who want to whine about the defensive holding call. Like uh, Philly fans, like Taylor Twellman of uh, Fox Sports coverage for the World Cup fame and all that jazz. Mm. Defensive holding doesn't require a ball to be catchable, numero uno. Okay? The ball does not have to be catchable. In fact, you don't even have to have the ball thrown at you for it to be defensive holding. Secondly, the guy who committed the penalty after the game admitted to committing the penalty. (laughs) He's like, yes, I grabbed him because if I didn't, that was going to be a sure touchdown. How many times have we seen this, right? We talk about this in college versus the NFL with the pass interference rule, right? How many times guys just grab somebody in the, in the, uh, in the college game? Why? Why would you possibly do that in the college game? Because it's only a 15-yard penalty. It's not a spot foul like it is in the NFL. In the NFL, you don't do that because you can give up 60, 70 yards if you do it. So the combination of you don't understand the rule, number two, he grabs him because he got beat off. If you watch the play in slow motion, You see him get beat off the release on the line of scrimmage, okay? He gets Mm. beat. He is is shading inside coverage, and the guy has him on a release to the outside. So he grabs him by the right hip. He grabs the jersey and the hip, okay? And spins him back towards the inside, attempts to alter his route. And when that becomes unsuccessful, what does he do? He takes his other hand, reaches to the left side of his body, and grabs the jersey a second time. The refs might have let the first one go because it wasn't totally obvious until you saw it in slow motion. But he did it not once but twice. You you are forcing the officials to call that. That's what happened, and he admitted to it. How many times have you ever heard of a player admitting to a penalty in the NFL? Not many. No. Not many. No. <laughs> he 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 could have easily left it to, hey, the officials did what the officials did. I'm not going to comment. Instead, he just owned up to it. I will say this, though. The uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I think, have a very bright future with the teams they have. Um, yeah, and I think Nick Sarani is going to be one of the best coaches in the NFL if he isn't already. Yeah. And then I think the final piece de resistance, the final thing we have to talk about here, Pat, mm. the best or second best national anthem of all time for you. Because holy uh, crap. When you. I mean, that was pretty amazing. Um, Nick Sarani crying. Uh, Jason yeah. Kelsey crying. You had members of the Chiefs crying um, on the field. Bravo, Chris Bravo. Stapleton. Yeah, uh, it 
I I'm trying to think of another one that that, that tops it. I I can't honestly. I, I, I really the can't. The only one that I can think of is Whitney Houston, um, in Tampa after the Gulf War. Her uh super her Super Bowl national anthem. I I'm I'm too young to remember that one. So yeah, that one was absolutely that that one's top of the list, and it's going to take a lot to take it off for me, just because of where we were right the gulf war right. had just started and and the in the the patriotism and the fact that she just absolutely blew that uh performance out of the water um this was a close second very close second for me um in the modern age there has not been a better one now the nfl in the pregame in the last like what f- can we talk about this this game was supposed to start at 5:28 right Sure. Yeah, that, that <laughs> it happen. was closer to six o'clock before it started because the NFL had to shove every single possible, not just woke, but every single possible cause of the year down the throats of the viewer. We had lift every voice from an absolute racist, by the way. Mm. Um, she, if you know anything about the person who sung that, she was awkward as hell singing it to begin with. That was weird. It was an absolutely awful rendition of it. I actually didn't even see this part, so I don't even know. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, but she showed up in a Malcolm X football jersey. That That's all you need to know. Um, and then, you know, it was all the woke causes out there. And then they had to also make sure to tell us that, you know, um, they, they salute service. It, it was like... Here's an idea. Stop with the activism on any level and just play the freaking game. It was really funny. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, So the coin toss, right? They show a picture of the very first coin toss. It's the official and the two captains from both teams. Right. They show this one and there's probably about 100 people on the field. What, 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 why, what, what's the need for that? But overall, the game itself for me was absolutely freaking fantastic. I loved every second of that game because, like I said before, haymaker after haymaker. I know. mean, this was, this was Rocky four of, <laughs> of, of the Super Bowls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the Packers winning Super Bowls, this was my favorite one for, I would have to, I would have to really think on another one that I've found to be better and, and here's why because this was a well-played game all around it really Both was teams played well defenses had their moments offenses had their moments this was not a you know scott norwood you know wide right wide left uh scenario right this right was, that super bowl yes it was close it would have been a field goal to tie it or field goal to win it or whatever have you um in that Super Bowl between Dallas and and um, and Buffalo, but it was a piss poor football game up to that time. There was just mistake after mistake after mistake. This was almost flawless football being played. Um, obviously, the the Jalen Hurts mistake um, will come back to haunt him forever, probably um, giving away that that uh, scoop and score. Yeah, um, but beyond that, I mean. That's the, it. That's it. it. That was it, really the only mistake, if you will. 
Mm. It sounds like that we, the, all the woke stuff happened like pretty much pregame because I didn't really see much during or even at halftime or even at, I didn't really watch the like the after the game stuff. But right, right. Because um, at that point, I, I had other things I had to do, but it was just, you know, I'm glad I missed the pregame because I, I actually told you yesterday, I, I'm I'm considering not watching it because. I'm I'm concerned on what kind of commercials they're going to play. Sure, I'm concerned yep. what Rihanna is going to do. We didn't really uh, get a lot of craziness in the commercials. We had a no, few no. of the uh, um, Jesus gets us, you know the 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 woke, and that's uh, what started it for me. Yeah, was those. And, and we had a few of those in uh, during the game, but you know they bought the advertising space. So what are you going to do, right? Right. Um, well, I, if I'm being honest, I actually didn't see any of them. Yeah, they had two of them, I think, during the game. It's, yeah, just, it's just annoying because this is just this group. If you, we've talked about this in the past, I believe, but this group is absolutely just a bunch of liberal activists mm. trying to fit their political positions into the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's disgusting on every level. Because Jesus Christ was not a political animal per se, right? The teachings of Jesus Christ and what he was on earth to accomplish had nothing to do with politics, had nothing to do with the Pharisees or Sadducees of the day per se. It had everything to do with morality, sin. Mm, right. It had everything to do with those types of things. And to pervert this for your own political gain is de disgusting and i believe that to be the case on the right as well when the right uses jesus as a cudgel jesus is not your political cudgel folks period point blank all right so that out of the way pat um the only other i mean what else happened this weekend i that's did did the airspace in utah get canceled no 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 but i i, I heard the uh, airspace over like michigan did yeah, Upper Michigan. Um, let's see. We shot down, <clears throat> quote unquote, unidentified objects over Alaska, the Yukon Territory. They couldn't find what was supposed to have been in Montana. And then they shot something down in Montana. <laughs> so we're up to four. Then they closed the airspace in northern Michigan. Only to find the object and shoot it down over Lake Huron, which would be in the lower part of Michigan. And, and, and then we also had the, we shot the Chinese spy balloon down over to the waters on the Atlantic, over the coast of South Carolina. So that's six. And then we also shut down airspace somewhere else. Well, here I have a question. We shot down one of the Yukon Terror. Why are we shooting down stuff over Canadian airspace? Isn't that Canada's job? Well, I'm guessing we had stuff closer than they did. Fair enough, but it, it's it just I just had questions on that one. But yeah. here's here's the thing. No one's aside from the first one, the first initial balloon. Mm-hmm. which you know we we know came from china right mm-hmm. no one has taken responsibility for these ufos as of right now and, and to be clear we're 
We're talking about these because they are unidentified. They were flying and they were objects. We're not saying aliens or whatever. At least I'm not. I'm not what? saying that because we have no clue. Right, but right. Honestly, I think unidentified flying objects. That's literally what they were. Right. I, I think I, I made the joke about the one over uh, Montana because they, they lost it. They couldn't find it. I'm like, yeah, it was probably something from like uh, the planet Vulcan came here to Earth, realized, oh, crap. Uh, nope. Nope. nope Turning around, going yep. back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Absolutely. So the thing that I think is interesting about this and and a lot of people are, whether they're joking or not, are talking about this from the perspective of these are just the weather balloons and these are just whatever, blah, 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 blah. No, they're not. The Department of Defense came out with a statement yesterday, Pat. Mm -hmm. And in that statement, correct me if I'm wrong, they disavowed these from being Chinese weather balloons. Correct me if I'm wrong. They also um, used very precise language. So far, so good. And that precise language was what? These are unidentified objects. Now, why does that matter? Because let us logically, critically think through that statement, right? If these were things that are easily explained away, if these were just Chinese weather balloons, quote unquote, right? Or spy balloons or whatever have you, if these are easily identifiable, number one, and explainable, number two, wouldn't you, as the DOD, take the easy route? Hell yes, you would. Right? Because what would it do? It would assuage many of the fears people are having about these situations. So why would you go on the record and say, basically, Meh, we don't know what the hell these things are. Why would you? Why would you do that to yourself if it wasn't? the truth well and the other thing too is is that that we we want transparency here and if they don't know i mean that to me is concerning in of itself if we don't know where they're coming from and and what they actually are at the end of the day that that Mm -hmm. that that screams concern right there um because then now i'm starting to question like well what what's our intelligence community doing Mm-hmm. Um, and are, are we, are, are we going to continue to see this happen for the, for the foreseeable future? And what is this, what is this ultimately doing, um, to us as a country in terms of foreign policy? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's lots of implications here. I obviously, I don't, I mean, I, I think we can roll out aliens, honestly, uh, but huh, uh, huh. I'm glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. we have to, we have U.S. Air Force General Glenn Van Herc, who is the head of uh, uh, the North American like airspace, right? Uh-huh. He's the one that oversees it, okay? Uh-huh. Didn't rule out aliens. Quote, when asked if the U.S. military had ruled out an extraterrestrial origin for the unidentified objects, Van Herc responded, quote, I'll let the intel community and the counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. At this point, we continue to assess every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches wow. North America with an attempt to identify it. Now, wow. Now, he also said this, okay? <clears throat> that 
quote, I'm not going to categorize them as balloons. We're calling them objects for a reason, Van Herc said. I'm not able to categorize how they stay aloft. It could be a gaseous type of balloon inside a structure. Or it could be some type of propulsion system. But clearly, they're able to stay aloft. So what he's saying is that these are not like your typical hot air balloon or whatever, right? These are not like a helium right. balloon, right? These suckers right. are 40, 50, 60,000 feet in the air. Which, by the way, if, if, if it's not like a helium balloon or a hot air balloon, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we shooting them down in the first? I mean, what what if something is toxic in that balloon that, that is airborne? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know a new virus. Now the other thing that um I know is that the one that took place over here, Lake Huron, the um, pilots involved in that have been reporting that their <clears throat> their systems um, were altered when engaging with this object. So That's this not, has yeah. this has some some capability to it. This is not just something wandered into our airspace and whoopsies. That <clears throat> this had this some was intentionally. This was something that has some sort of intention behind it is what this is being alleged. And look, I largely believe that we are probably not alone in this universe, okay? However, okay, however, the question that I have for you, Pat, is would our government tell us the truth if they were able to find proof? Yeah. I don't I think, think it so. It depends on the circumstances. I don't think so. They can't even tell us the truth about a sterilization program. That took no. place for roughly 20 years after the government had banned that very same program 20 years prior to that. We're going to talk about that on Thursday in this program because I, I want you to understand what's going on here. The, though I'll say this, I, I would actually contend that we, we've probably had aliens among us or li even living among us for years even. So, yeah, I, this I just is think, my personal theory, but it's I, I, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And I guess the only other question I would have, and I posited this question to you yesterday, and I don't think I got an answer on this one. But mm -hmm. is this a case of us just paying more attention uh, or is this something that has increased in actual frequency? I, I don't necessarily know the answer to that because. Would this have been a story had we not had that Chinese spy balloon? Well, maybe, maybe not. More I, importantly, I, would this have been a story had we not had the absolute liars in the administration not telling us about it, right? It right. only happened. It only happened because somebody, some intrepid citizen found it. They weren't going to tell us. They They found it last week. But they knew about this since January 28th. Let me do the math. That's over a week that they knew about right. it. Yeah. They weren't going to tell us. It, I, I Honestly, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to these. And I think at this point, you know, what, what we are demanding 
of our government is answers. Like we deserve to know what are these things? We need mm-hmm. answers. You need to figure this out. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I think it's going to be very interesting here. Um, but before we get to the B or not the B, uh, Pat, I, I think we need to talk about one other uh, topic here. And it's the quote unquote housing crisis that we are facing in America, because here comes the politicians to pile on. And oh boy. I will say this. Yes, it is true that uh, affordability is an issue in the housing market. That is 100% true. It absolutely is, because we've seen the ballooning of prices for homes across the country. Really, we really have. Um, If you take a look at the national averages, right, um, I have my druthers with doing that because what's happening in Chicago is very different than what's happening in Utah. Um, California and Los Angeles and South and San Francisco are very different than Bakersfield, right, or Chico. Right. right in the marketplaces. Um what's happening in Seattle is different than in Tacoma. What is happening in you know Charleston is different than what's happening in Greenville in Spartanburg, uh South Carolina. I, I bring all these up because it is a very localized situation and you have to know your local information. But on the average we've seen almost a 200% ballooning of prices over the last decade. Okay? And you know what was once a $600,000 house in Los Angeles is now almost 1.2 million, right? Like right. it's insane. People are buying homes at you know 7, 8, 900,000 a million dollars and they're teardown projects, right? There's complete rebuilds and you're spending another 600,000 and reselling them for almost 2 mil. Who 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 has an average job that can afford that kind of house, right? That that's the question right. that we are right. getting at. And when you take a look at the affordability indexes, right? When you look at the fact that we are seeing a ballooning percentage of income, we're seeing some of the problems that existed in 2008. What we're seeing is that those problems exist in the reverse of the reasoning for this, right? In 2008, the the issue was that there were no standards or enough of a good standard of lending practices. So people were getting homes they were not qualified for. Today, that's not necessarily the case. It's that people are choosing to spend more on their housing than other things. But that can lead to problems down the road. But the Senate has decided, especially Tim Scott and some others, uh, both Democrat and Republican members of the Senate Banking Committee, according to Daily Wire, drew attention on Thursday to the effect of low housing supply on prices. And this is the number one driver, by the way, Pat, of the affordability issue. I have a question. What is government going to do to solve this problem? Generally, when government tries to solve problems like this, don't they usually, I don't know, make it worse? This is part and parcel of my question, um, because... Prior from 2007, when the market began to crash to 2012, we were 3 million new home starts. Okay. So building homes, building new structures, not tearing down and and rebuilding existing land. Okay. 3 million of them behind. Pandemic, folks, 
3.8 since 2019, according to Fannie Mae. Okay. Let's do that math. We're almost 7 million homes behind. We never even caught up from the first housing crash. I'm not suggesting a second housing crash is coming. What I am suggesting is that if you want to understand why homes are becoming more and or less and less affordable and more and more expensive, you need to understand it's a supply and demand issue. Sub question, Pat, has government been helpful or hurtful in the last couple of years to this problem? Uh, um, hurtful. Why? Let's see. We've got tariffs, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, we had embargoes on. We had supply chain issues from other countries. We have all sorts of embargoes and weird things going on. The price of lumber went insane for a while. We also had the price of concrete. Um, in fact, I, I, I think I talked about this on the show. The price of concrete has made it almost unaffordable to build out. You're better off building up right now if you need to restructure a home right because like for us right and i think you guys all your homes have basements right yeah well not everybody but but yeah my, my the vast vast majority of people have a basement right? right in in up north here in chicago everybody is going to have a basement one way or the other because you have to um, you have to build that that foundation um into the ground so that having been said the price of concrete has driven the price up. Why? Because of supply and demand issues, because of government regulation issues, because of all of these things. So I find it ironic that Democratic and uh, Republican senators are demanding action. What are what what action other than getting government the hell out of the way can there be? The third problem with this, Pat is that the the cost to build a home right now is somewhere here in Chicago alone somewhere between 250,000 to 347 I believe is the number thousand that's just the raw cost of building that house now add that on to and, and I call bullshit on that number, by the way, because if you're building a single family home on a lot here in the city of Chicago, that's easy a half a million, easy a half a million for you to build that house. And, and that's not even including all the design and all the decorating and all that sort of stuff. You're probably right. in the six to 650 range. Okay. You've just also bought a lot for 500 plus thousand dollars more than most likely. That's what it's going to cost you to tear to buy a teardown and, and rebuild. So if I'm doing that math, right, I'm at one point, let's say one million or $1.2 million. Now I need to also make a profit off the backside of that, right? Because who builds a home to just give it away? You see the problem? Where, Where's the afford? How do you fix affordability? The only way to fix affordability is to ramp up the supply. We have a supply issue. We have the exact opposite issue that happened in 2007, okay? The issue in 2007 is that we had a gajillion homes on the market and nobody able to buy them, okay? 
today, we don't have enough supply to meet even the minimal demand that exists. We don't. We have, we have set record after record of low months of supply for the last six months here in Chicago alone. So my question would be, what is government's role in helping, quote-unquote, affordability? Are you, are you going to lower tariffs? Are right. you going to stop embargoes? Are you going to cut red tape? Are you, as a municipality like Chicago, going to cut some of the red tape and all the bullshit that you got to go through just to build a house? All the permitting processes, all the time and money and um, expense that goes into that, you could sit for six months on a house before you can get permits, right? And, and, and during that six months, Pat, are you as an investor, as a developer, as somebody building a home, are you or are you not eating cost? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Okay. So where else? And, and by the way, where are we going to build the, these affordable homes? There's no such thing as an affordable house right now. It doesn't exist. The, the only way that we could do this, Pat, is to build literally 7 million homes like that. Because what would that necessarily do? It would flood the market and it would bring prices down. It absolutely would because there's so much home available. Anybody who wants a home could buy one potentially. Here's the rub on that, though. We're going to have to you're going to have to build a home at one point two million dollars and then continue to develop homes all the way back down of the pricing level. The only way, so you've got two problems. One, you're going to have to incentivize a, a home builder to build a home, right? And two, you're going to have to make it what? So you have the the issue of them being the, them being able to profit. That's an issue. And number two, you're asking them to build affordable housing when it's unaffordable for them to build a house, period, amen. So we're, we have to deal with two issues. We have to deal with, we have to lower the price of a home, right? We we want to flood the market, and then we want to also make it that $250,000 you know, average price to just build the physical home needs to come down to about $150,000. So some way, somehow, we have to, at the same time as we're skyrocketing the supply, also, also by the way, we're going to... Lower your your price of entry as a home builder. How, how? How do those things happen at the same time? They can't. We have a, a we have a, until the only way to really do this, by the way, Pat, would be this. We need to see a flood of regular housing supply. We need to see that month of supply number from the twos into the fives. Because what will that do? That will stabilize pr um, prices for already existing homes. Okay, That will stabilize the existing home market. Because what are new homes competing with? That pricing, right? Right. So <clears throat> now, once we stabilize that, could we find a way in which those new homes coming to the market, the brand new spanking new construction home, can it compete? Yeah, now it can because we we have existing supply and people can now look to that new build. But where where are you buying where are you building these homes is another problem. 
You have to make the home and the subdivision and the the you know the suburb or exurb or whatever an attractive place for people to want to live. That's why living in a city like Chicago, neighborhood matters because you spend 90% of your time there. I just don't see the attractiveness for people to get out of the urban environment to help lower costs. Are you going to see that in California? No, they just keep on piling regulation after regulation after regulation. How are we going to solve this? Government is not the answer. You can demand all you want. You can demand all you want. Government is not the answer to this problem. Senators, Tim Scott and others. It's not. The only answer for government is to get the bleep out of our way. It's the only answer to helping to decelerate the appreciation values of homes. We're never going backwards on home prices. Sorry, not sorry. That's not going to happen. What we can do is go from 30% deceleration right, of your home value or what people are going to pay for your home to 15%. And by the way, here in Chicago, we never saw the craziness that you know, your market and California and others. We were at, I think, 11 to 14%. Housing is actually appreciating at less than the national average here. Now that's taxes and other things. I get that, but it's actually more affordable to buy a home here than you would believe in California or Texas or anywhere else. Look at Florida versus here. Solving this problem is not a government. You can demand all you want. That's my point, right? You as a government can demand, 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 solving the housing affordability issue. Okay. Uh, are you, again, are you getting out of my way? Are you helping with the supply issues? Are you helping with decreasing the cost to build a home? Nope. Oh, then how the hell are we going to solve this problem? Riddle me that. We are so far in the hole that... We can't even dig our way out of it right now. Like we, we have thought through this process, Pat, of potentially buying some land in Wisconsin and building a home on it because the land itself is pretty affordable. Here's the problem. It would be six months before we could even get into the ground. And oh, by the way, we wouldn't even know what that construction cost will be in six months. It could have gone from an estimate of 250000 to 500,000 in that six month period. Why? Because of supply and demand issues when it comes to the material to build a home. Literally, I have a friend of mine who thought that process through on the, on the front side, thought about, hey, you know what? Um, these homes are just really unaffordable. I'm gonna go find land and build, right? It should be way cheaper. By the end of it, he spent seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for a home that would have been four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand on the existing home market. Whoops! Again, I just Pat I, riddle me how we're supposed to solve this problem. Um, let the market fix itself. Yes, and it's going to take a lot of time for that to happen. We're going to have to find ways to build new homes. It's the only answer out of this. And we have to make it attractive for people to want these new homes. That's the other issue that's happening that is similar to 2007, right? Where they've built these pre-planned subdivisions and all these things and boom, the, they, there's no nobody wanting them. We have that same problem. It's just that 
it's becoming cost prohibitive. The, the, the problem that we're having is that we've got this land and people want to develop it, but there's no market for it because it is so expensive for them to take it on, right? If, if I want to build five houses, we're talking about four to five million dollars potentially, right? Who got that kind of money as a developer to just sit there? Next to nobody. That's the problem. They're looking at this from an investment standpoint and saying, I can't do it. There's no incentive to invest this way for a developer. Their incentive is actually in the city building $1.52 million homes, right? Why? Because there is a profit margin that is available there. There is no profit margin available in these new home builds. So until you find a way to make it attractive for people to want these homes and to build them, you're screwed. All right. With that, though, Pat, it is time for us to play the B or not the B. Are you ready? Let's do it. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm definitely sure. All right. With that, uh, Pat, lay that headline on me at least once. All righty. <clears throat> Today's headline, Super Bowl flyover featuring all female pilots running 20 minutes late. Super Bowl flyover featuring all female pilots running 20 minutes late. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. And while you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins. <laughs> Folks, it's Monday. You've heard me talk about this last week. I don't like Mondays and I don't like mornings. If you're like me, you, you, you need a morning pick me up. You need to go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. There are all sorts of different great flavors for coffee over there. If you're a coffee lover, you need that cup of coffee to uh, wake yourself up in the morning, like, uh, say, Andrew Coppins over here. Um, <clears throat> definitely check them out for that. Um, if you're not a coffee drinker, they have tea. They have hot chocolate. Love their hot chocolate, by the way. Um, they've got a few different flavors for that as well. Um, so all you need to do to get you that morning pick-me-up is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Use the promo code Critical Thinking at checkout, and you'll get five percent off your purchase. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code Critical Thinking at checkout, and you'll get five percent off your purchase today. Alrighty, so again, Super Bowl flyover featuring all female pilots running twenty minutes late. Andrew Coppins, is this the B or not the B? <coughs> what say you? Well, considering um, I passed this around the. Uh, the uh, small gathering that we had last night for the Super Bowl. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be the Babylon B. This was an absolutely fantabulous headline. I also like the one where uh, refs refs get together or in the pregame and determine the winner or whatever. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that was absolutely that. fantastic. But yeah, this was absolutely hilarious. My wife didn't find it funny, but um, every man in the room did. <laughs> yeah yeah the super bowl flyover team featuring exclusively female pilots was well, has informed nfl officials that they are running a little behind we'll be right there sorry radio pilot amy donaldson to the ANSI crew at the stadium just make yourselves comfortable while television producers expressed dismay at the delay the pilots promised they were getting ready <laughs> as fast as possible the line for the bath <coughs> excuse me the line for the bathroom is going as fast as it can assured pilot amy Ra emily rawls believe me we will step on the gas and show everyone some woman power just as soon as we can until then wait hold on now 
did we all just show up at the same in the same flight outfit at publishing time the team pushed back on their arrival another 10 minutes after one of the pilots burned uh, out her landing gear taxing with the <laughs> the parking brake on <laughs> which oh. by the way my, so my I, I talked to my mom before the uh, Super Bowl, and she's like, oh, the, the female pilots just flew over the stadium. I said, Mom, do you care? And she's like, no, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care who's flying the freaking planes. It's just a cool spectacle. I don't care if they're all men. I don't care if they're all women. I don't care if it's men and women doing it. I don't care. I don't care. <clears throat> well, and that's like... um the the program that was on after was next level chef right like that was their season premiere and yeah. um the ladies wanted to watch that so we gave that to them and we start watching and there's this woman who is very clearly uh of the lesbian variety uh-huh. um you know the she's got the look of every lesbian who has ever donned uh an apron in a kitchen right uh-huh. she's got those huge like gaping ear thingies the spacers right she's uh-huh. got a shaved halfway haircut you know what i mean like it's like oh gee you're oh you're sh- shockingly you're into women i i couldn't tell right she's interviewed at one point during the show and she's like yeah i i just want to be an inspiration to others because representation matters and I need to be able to be representative to the lesbian community to show them that they can be chefs too. Wait, what? Hang on a second, Pat. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've watched enough Food Network, but oh, there's, um, there's lots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't the only one. And by you ain't the only one, I'm going to guess that there are thousands, literally thousands of lesbian chefs who have made appearances all over television. You ain't special, my friend, but because you have a quote unquote special title behind your sexuality, you think that you're somehow different than anybody else on that show? I What the hell? representation matters who who whom is not represented already in the culinary world what what group you name it yeah that's what i thought now pat <sighs> it is time for us to end the program on a uh on a list note okay because uh fire the foundation for individual what is it? Uh, the Foundation for Individual. Give me a second here. I got to pull it up. Give me one second. Sorry. It's the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. That's what FIRE stands for. Okay. okay. They come out every year, the 10 worst colleges for free speech. So if you're an advocate of free speech, you would think that college campuses would be a bastion of this because they are a marketplace, supposedly, of radical ideas, right? A lot of colleges. That's where all the radicalness stews, right? Yeah, but uh, I, I would argue not in today's culture. All right. You would be correct because we've got 10. So starting the list off is Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Why? Well, because um, an art history professor was punished for showing 14th century painting depicting the prophet Muhammad. 
After multiple warnings, after telling students who are of the Muslim persuasion, if you don't want to see this, please leave the classroom, right? Giving everybody every opportunity to quote unquote not be offended by it. She shows it. Somebody <sighs> complains. And magically, she's just not hired back for the next semester. I thought this was a place of uh, free expression, but you would be wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's now, ridiculous. By the way. There was pressure from more than 400 international faculty members and more than 1,900 members of the public. The university did not back down. Hamlin's president tripled down on their, we're not going to hire her back, claiming that academic freedom does not operate in a vacuum and is subject to the dictates of society. Two days later, the Board of Trustees announced it was investigating administrators' handling of the controversy. It ultimately took a lawsuit filed by Lopez Prater on January 17th for Hamlin to suddenly proclaim it has been committing, uh, it has been committed to academic freedom all along. It was never our intent to suggest that academic freedom is of lower concern or value than our students. Care does not supersede academic freedom. The two coexist. All right. Then we move on to a member of the Big Ten, Pat, Pennsylvania State University, the Nittany Why Lions. Am Why am I not surprised on that one? Uh-huh. So Penn State was uh, praised by fire when it defended student group Uncensored America's right to host a controversial event on campus. Um. Well, that story doesn't end there because on October 24th, Uncensored America was set to host Proud Boys founder Gavin McInnes and conservative comedian Alex Stein for a comedy show on campus. There was, a, of course, a planned protest outside the venue, but amid reports that a few in the crowd of hundreds were involved in skirmishes, Penn State canceled the event before it began. The university allegedly also told protesters to disperse, citing the threat of escalating violence. Critically, the two violent incidents, one involving spitting and the other pepper spray, were caught on video showing police standing by doing nothing while students and, and a speaker were assaulted. It's your own problem there, Penn State. So, that lands them on the list. We also have Collin College in McKinney, Texas. Never heard of that place. Um, this, is, this is probably the most liberal college in all of Texas. Um, okay. And they have a problem because they are playing games with faculty speech. Um, it is the epicenter of censorship in Texas, according to Fire. Uh, so, in other words, you can you you can mess with Texas or Collin College. Yeah, uh, Collin College has trampled on many faculty rights to the point of already having to pay out over seventy thousand dollars in damages. By the way, to faculty members. It terminated professors Audrea Hislap and Susanna Jones, coincidentally two of the three officers of a newly formed chapter of the Texas Faculty Association, a non-bargaining faculty union. Both Hislap and Jones had also criticized the college's handling of COVID-19. They reached a settlement with the college, but Jones, represented by fire, filed a federal lawsuit to vindicate her First Amendment rights. And a federal judge ruled that Collin College administrators who fired Jones could be held personally and financially responsible for violating the First Amendment, denying their motion for summary judgment based on qualified immunity, calling for defendants' argument dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. Excuse me. The college agreed to a settlement, including reinstating Jones to a two-year, two hundred thirty thousand dollars teaching contract and paying one hundred forty-five thousand in attorney fees. But there's still more, because in January of 2022, Collin College fired history professor Michael Phillips for advocating for the removal of Confederate statues. Um, 
<laughs> what? What? And criticizing the college's COVID-19 policies. There you go. So literally a liberal professor saying we need to remove, right? We have to remove Confederate statues. And also your COVID-19 policies suck. That got him fired. Now, Fire has filed three lawsuits since 2020 against Collin College, recouping over 300000 for the terminated professors and more than $180,000 in attorney fees. Oh. Also on the list is Texas A&M, Pat. Again, proving my point that you can mess with Texas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In 2022, Texas A&M stepped on the rights of all kinds of student groups, from the university's preeminent student paper to several LGBTQ rights organizations to a freshman orientation club. So what you need to know about Texas A&M is that they had threatened to basically take away the independence of the um, student newspaper on campus and, and make it part of the administrative state. Yeah, that doesn't work very well. So Fire said no thank you to that. And there's a bunch of other ones. Here's one that will not shock you. The University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised on that at all. Because, if, anything, uh, if anything, I'm surprised it's not higher yeah. on the list. Yep. Academic freedom, not a thing. Penn Law willfully ignoring its commitment to free speech and academic freedom in an effort to oust Amy Wax, a tenured professor whose controversial comments on race and immigration have come to define her academic career. You can denounce somebody's view and also realize that um, they still can have a job. More importantly, if it's a tenured position. Hmm. Under mounting pressure to do something about the divisive academic, Ruger changes tune. An open student letter asked Penn to reform tenure to make it consistent with principles of social equity. Ruger subsequently promised imminent action and days later announced disciplinary disciplinary charges against Wax, setting a variety of conduct charges, including causing quote-unquote harm, for which he proffered zero evidence of actionable misconduct. We also have Emerson University in Boston, or Emerson College, I should say, in Boston. Um, let's just put it this way. Um, they they prevent student groups from advertising a document documentary about free speech. <laughs> oh. And we move from the bastion of liberalism in the on the East Coast to Middle America and Emporia State University on the list. Okay, I've never heard of this place either. Emporia State? Yeah, I've heard of it. <coughs> it's a D2 school. <clears throat> But they seized the opportunity to ask both tenure protections and 33 faculty members. Last fall, Emporia State University seized the opportunity to spurn academic freedom and effectively end tenure protections. Under a newly adopted policy, it fired more than 30 faculty members, including one whose newspaper op-ed criticized the school, criticizing the school's then impending decision opened with, I may be fired for writing this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we move to Tennessee and Tennessee Tech. <sighs> now, this one, <clears throat> this one is going to be a little controversial for for some in our audience. But um, at Tennessee Tech, if you offended President Philip Oldham, your group will be punished. First Amendment be damned. You previously claimed, quote, our students are our priority, but his actions suggest otherwise. Why? 
Well, because he canceled all of campus events of the Lambda Gay Straight Alliance and the Tech Players student groups after a video of their August 2022 drag show surfaced online. Speaking to the entire campus community, Oldham proclaimed that he was disturbed, dismayed, and offended by the show's apparent disparaging mockery toward any religious group. He banned the students from hosting campus events pending a review. No disciplinary charges, no hearings, no chance to contest. Just boom. Question mm-hmm. for you, Pat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is a, this is on a college campus, a public college campus, by the way, not a private one. Uh huh. What what you doing? What what you doing banning this? But I I don't have to like it i don't have to participate in it i don't have to be around it right <clears throat> but if somebody else wants to do that on a college campus should they or should they not have the right to pretty sure they should yeah they should <clears throat> as, bad, as bad as it is they yeah. probably should have the right to do it and here's one from the not so shocking uh, category our quack 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 university of oregon <laughs> see what you did there faculty has to submit dei statements to be eligible for hiring promotion and tenure what yep oh boy how how is this this is this is number two on the list how is that not number one just for that i mean that that tells me that number one has to be far worse than this and for that we go to nova loyola university of new orleans because they sanction professors stifling students protected speech Loyola University in New Orleans spent the last two and a half years subjecting Professor Walter Block to investigations and sanctions for protected speech. Despite its strong promises of free speech and academic freedom, the university targeted Block for everything from his teaching of particular economic theories to his classroom discussions of Gandhi and Hitler. A June 2020 student-created petition calling for Block's termination began circulating in Lono, as it's known as, defended Block's classroom speech. But it didn't have his back for long. Because in 2021, Loyola determined that some of Block's teachings on the gender wage gap and the economics of slavery created a, quote, hostile learning environment, forcing Block to undergo mandatory DEI training. <laughs> of course. Block received more complaints about his protected speech throughout 2021. These complaints, many of which cited no specific comments, led Loyola to impose more mandatory training and to threaten to monitor Block's classes, making sure that his protected speech did not harm the precious minds of his pupils. Then the administration threatened Block with termination. (coughs) Now, also elsewhere on campus, administrators cracked down on a student promoting a pro-choice march. What? Now, here's the difference. This is supposed to be a what? Religious private college, correct? Yeah. Okay. One administrator said it was because the student was handing out flyers that didn't align with the school's religious mission, despite the fact that the school's policies explicitly include a right to dissent. A second said it was actually because the student was being disruptive, and a third said the student's flyers had not been pre-approved for distribution. The student complied with the request to stop handing out the flyers, but again was accosted by two police officers when they continued to promote their message verbally. verbally. So... Yes, you have a right to free speech. Everybody does. But you do not have a right to that free speech 
everywhere, anywhere. Four apps that no. Again, you're also not free of the consequence. So, okay, you you want to do that? Well, guess what? We have a religious mission, and part of that religious mission is the promotion of life. Pro-choice is anti-life. Period. Amen. So, yeah, they have every right as a private institution. As a public institution, you wouldn't. As a private institution, they have every right to say, yeah, no, you can't do that. Just like BYU has every right to a code of conduct for its students, right? And if you... And you, if you, you sign that code of conduct, by the way, before you attend there. Right. And if you violate it, you know the terms. So there you go. Um, you have every right to do that. As a private institution, as a public institution, this is this is a this would be bad if it was a public institution. As a private school, even if that private school wanted to be a private school that promoted pro-choice, right? And somebody had a pro-life message, I would agree with the school because it's a private institution. It, are, are you a little surprised at all that uh, there there really weren't schools on here from New York, Chicago, California? Yeah, I'm surprised that DePaul is not on this list, to be honest with you. Um, DePaul is pretty notorious for its uh, anti-free speech. Um, yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, I'm 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 a little surprised, honestly, that, that there were some schools not from those particular areas that didn't make this list that so it, it does make me question this list a little bit because I'm like there are there are clearly pockets in this country that are potentially far worse and I, I just I just questioned it yeah, but, but so here's the rub right you would have to have specific incidents so this is True. their group saying these are the worst colleges for free speech and it's not just about students it's about academics it's about right you know faculty and and so there's a lot of stuff that they're taking into consideration. I would suggest that, you know, you go to University of Wisconsin, you could go to University of Minnesota, you could go to literally almost every Big Ten institution probably and find probably. absolutely illiberal speech policies from supposedly liberal institutions, right? It's not even liberal anymore. It is just woke institutions. And there's a difference between a liberal and a woke person. A liberal believes in liberalism, meaning liberal debate, meaning open, fair, free speech. There's no such thing in the world of woke because there is no, there's right and wrong. There is no spectrum for them. That's the reality of this. Very clearly, there are problems with administrators versus faculty and and all sorts of stuff here. But I, th I found this list fascinating. Like, of all the colleges, I would consider Penn State to be, like, maybe one of the more conservative, right, of the right. of the Big Ten institutions, maybe along with uh, Purdue, considering they hired Mitch Daniels as their, as their uh, um, president a few years ago. But, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, with that, though, Pat, any final thoughts on today's show? Don't get lost. Remember who you are, no means no, and ET phone home. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals today, and as always, Matthew 547. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.